1: Welcome, everybody, to the holiday edition of Culture Clash Live. We've got some fun things to do today. We've got some news to catch up on, some reviews to give you, and had a little fun with a little holiday magic eight ball. But I can't celebrate the holidays alone. He is the man who's responsible for the fest of us with the rest of us, Mr. Kevin Reitzel.
0: What's going on? What's up, people? What's up, nerds? Good to see you, buddy. How are you? It's
1: Good to see you. I am doing well down here in rainy Florida, as it is pouring down rain outside my window as we speak. <laughs> no How about days. you? Are you are are you, are you readjusted in your time travel?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm. I feel like I'm back in the groove again. Uh, once uh, since coming back from Australia, so uh, there. Just kind of getting back in the groove after being in a completely different groove and routine and daily stuff going on you know it's uh it it is an adjustment
1: yes it it is and i but you know what we're glad to have you back we know you were off with your lovely wife but we're glad to have you back for a little podcasting a little fun and a little holiday cheer speaking of holidays kevin this time of year there's something that kind of happens gift exchanges something like that
0: i'm sorry what was that kyle speak up
1: what Gift exchanges. I I, yeah. I got a package that had an Australian accent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, we exchange gifts, and I thought it'd be kind of fun for the viewers out there to uh, and the listeners to uh, you know find out what we gave each other. You know, you of course are on the East Coast there. I'm on the West Coast here, but we can still send each other gifts. I thought it'd be kind of fun to do that virtually here on Culture Clash Live on the Fandom Podcast Network YouTube channel. Well, I have mine
1: right here, so I am going to kind of just have it rise up on the screen here.
0: What is that, sir? Oh, my oh, God. This. That is cool. This looks like,
1: it had, it had, like I said, it, when it arrived, the box had an Australian accent. And it's because it's an international DVD from Australia. And it is Megaforce, the special collection, Blu-ray edition, with all kinds of special features.
0: Mr. Rice also has one that he is holding up there. But yeah, yes. buddy. Yes. Yeah, that uh, I I didn't, I couldn't get my hands on the special ultra, ultra awesome one that came with like a hat and patches and all kinds of cool stuff. But, um, yes, got the Megaforce uh, Blu-ray. Is it Blu-ray? Yeah, Blu-ray.
1: I believe it is Blu-ray.
0: Yes. Uh, Yeah, Blu-ray. Sorry. And uh, it's got new special features for its 40th anniversary, only available in Australia. So I was able to grab these and and. Someone from Australia is in the chat, of course. That is Mr. Lethal Mullet himself, Adam O'Brien. And Adam, you will know what this bag is. This is the JB High Five bag that this came in, as well as some other things that I'm going to tease here in a second. But uh, for those of you that love social media, when you are in... Australia, make sure you check out JB high five. I'll be going into that a little bit more later, but yes, Merry Christmas to you too, uh, Adam. It is really good to see you. Thanks for jumping in there. Um, Adam, I think has this one as well, Kyle. Yes, I I also picked up a couple of things. I also got the Highlander new edition on a 4k, with the new special features and i picked up the new reissue of raw deal with arnold schwarzenegger because they have some new special features on it just like the highlander one does our friend jonathan melville from scotland actually adds his new commentary to the new highlander release and if you guys are in best buy make sure you check out the best buy steelbook version as well of highlander 1986
1: well now i gotta ask you about that perspective specific special edition. Cause I believe a good friend of the network has a part in that one.
0: Kevin. Yeah. Just said Jonathan Melville. Yeah. 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 yeah, so. yeah who uh, released the book. Of course. Let's give him a little shout out here. A kind of magic, the making of the original Highlander, Jonathan Melville available also on Amazon. Make sure you check it out. Please buy it. It is awesome. Behind the scenes interviews with some of the stars, uh, including a member or two of queen And make sure you check this out. Uh, Great book. And uh, he lends to these special features on the new Highlander release. And the new Highlander uh, DVD, by the way, Blu-ray, excuse me, 4K, All the special features are on the 4K disc, so you will need your 4K player to view them or something that plays a 4K. Uh, Some new interviews, including with Clancy Brown on there as well, so make sure you check that out.
1: Yeah, no, it's very exciting. I'm excited for that. There's a lot of stuff popping up at the end of the year, so a lot of fun stuff pops up. Speaking of the end of the year, it is holiday season. Kevin, have you been doing anything exciting for your holidays?
0: Hold on. You sent me stuff, too.
1: Oh, that's right. I did. I forgot. I got a lot on my mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i got something really cool in the mail and it came with a cool card which i just dropped here and the card said uh merry christmas my brother and i apologize they were all out of <laughs> kyle wagner hooked me up with the classified series of tomax and Zaymont gi joe figures look at those the toxic twins, I guess, sort of speak, uh, of the G.I. Joe version. So, yeah, love it. never knew their last names were Pauly, P A O L. No, that, that, I think that was an, a development here in recent G.I. Joe I
1: comics. Was, I was just more worried they were going to send you the same figure since they look alike.
0: <laughs> I had to look at the box here. Uh, yeah, one's got the scar, one does not. Yes. <laughs>
1: it's uh, a month
0: that's got the scar on his face, yeah. Um, it was funny, though, when I accidentally dropped one, the other one felt it. Yeah,
1: exactly. You're an ouch <laughs> from the other box across the room. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yes, exactly. But, uh, yeah, and by the way, yes, if you're in Australia, like I said, check out JB High Five. So good. More on that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, holiday. So, was- Kyle, do you, yeah, ha- do yeah, you yeah, have your have you holiday done
1: anything? Uh I have not put up holiday too much in the holiday decorations mainly because I uh, have two destructive fatal fluffies I own by the name of Tummy and Stripesy. Um, last year they took out my Christmas tree this year between work, busyness, helping other people out with still trying to get recovered from Hurricane Ian and stuff. But I didn't get much of a chance. I did put up, I have a little lantern that I really like. That is a Charlie uh, peanuts lantern with Snoopy and Woodstock in it. And you flip a switch on and it's got Christmas lights in it. And like they're at a campfire and stuff like that. So I got that up. Um, enjoying it. I helped my parents put up their Christmas tree and did that family tradition. So nice. they got a little bit in there, not as much as usual, but it seems like it's that kind of year. I haven't seen that much inject de- a whole lot of decorations out and about this year as much as I've normally have.
0: Well when Erin was visiting, we decided to set the decorations up before I left with her back to Australia. So they'd be ready and we put up the tree and the lights, outside lights and everything. So it was nice to have that ready when I came back and and got that going and stuff. So, yeah. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to Adam. He uh, gave us a shout out, of course, uh, on his recent episode of Lethal Mullet discussing Avenging Force with Michael Dudikoff. And uh, he gave his review on uh, um, Avatar 2, The Way of Water, which we'll be getting into soon.
1: Yep, a shout out to The Mullet. Check out his channel on the Fandom Podcast Network. He, he's done some fun stuff. lately. He did V recently and, you know. He has an interesting history here at the Fandom
0: Podcast Network. Yes, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Fandom Podcast Network trial, yes.
1: Yeah, just, you know, what we're saying. But, you know, we do have a lot of things to discuss. So without further ado. Let's use. Okay, first and foremost, I think the biggest story that's been going on in fandom since our last episode, the last recording, Kevin, is the big shakeup over at DC Entertainment, where K- James Gunn has been basically made the Kevin Feige of the DC movie universe. Big, big deal here. Very big deal. The DC universe has been a mess.
0: Yes, it's been a mess, but... He's just kind of – he's coming in and cleaning house and fans are upset because big stars that play big superheroes will be given the pink slip. Is that the term – correct terminology I'm using here? No, wait. The pink uh, slip – no, wait. Hold on. The pink slip is the car that you – is this – the thing in the car you win, right? If you're oh, if you racing down the street Fast and Furious style, you race for You're playing slip. for slips. It's not necessarily the pink Yeah, yeah. Uh, but basically given the walking papers, so sort to of speak. Yeah. Uh Yeah. So – yeah, uh, well, let's just say the, the the hierarchy in the DC universe has changed, and it has nothing to do with the Rock. This is true. <laughs> this is true. So we need to give our opinions on this, Kyle, because we've kind of gone back and forth on you know Messenger or in our uh, our True Believers Facebook page. Uh, even though it's DC news, we were sharing the news on the, our Marvel uh, Facebook page there, and um, I, I think this is we should give our opinion on this. Your thoughts on the turnover here that? Uh, um and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, I, who is the other partner that Gunn is working with? What's his name? Uh, I'm I'm trying to remember off the top of my head because he's no, he's going to have nothing with creative. But Gunn, Gunn, James Gunn is the name that we're all talking about. Yeah. because James Gunn is in charge of the creative. The other guy's basically the money man. Okay, so James Gunn basically is saying, uh, you know, no more Superman with Henry Cavill, uh, no more Black Adam with The Rock, no more Wonder Woman, I guess. Uh, and But I'm hearing rumors maybe they're going to try something with uh, Robert Pattinson's The Batman. But basically, the Justice Di- Ju- Justice League, League that we know of is going to be no more. They're basically yeah. starting from scratch with uh, some new plan here. What would you like to say about that, Kyle? Okay, so it, it, it's a mixed bag because – it's still a mess over
1: at Warner Brothers slash Discovery, whatever we're going to call it. Um, David Zaslav, who's kind of like the big figurehead for all of it right now, is still cutting costs like he was cutting a uh, Thanksgiving ham or Christmas ham. It's, it's, it's crazy what's going on over there. Um, James Gunn is coming into a DC situation where I think he was kind of in a no-win situation in the aspect of, I truly think you can't move DC entertainment forward if you have any ties to with anybody who has ties to Zack Snyder. And what he did, because I think this Snyder cultists that are out there as people call them, or the big Snyder fans just can't, won't let go. And they'll push forward and push for it. And I think this is the only way to get it right. Is it's, it's like cutting out a cancer, a cancer or disease area. And sometimes you have to throw out the good with the, with the bad. And in this case, I think the good is losing Henry Cavill as Superman, losing Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. But I also look at the flip side of this too. I think it's going to give James Gunn a much bigger freedom to do with the things he wants to do. And I think especially in the case of um, with the Wonder Woman situation because I think we both most people agree Wonder Woman 84 was not near as good as the original Wonder Woman and apparently yeah. there've been a lot of disagreement about the direction of the third Wonder Woman film. So I think this just works out better for everything. With Henry Cavill, it's a shame because I really think he could still be an excellent Superman. I just think that with the direction James Gunn wants to go, he's not
0: necessarily the fittest Superman and well, it's our not friend, personal. our friend Derek Marsher of the What a Piece of Junk uh, um, Star Wars podcast on the Fan Podcast Network. I know he was upset with this news and he had a good point because he says you could still use these characters, um, but not have and, and kind of do a soft reboot without we don't need origin stories with these characters, you know, kind of like how Spider Man in the Marvel MCU, we didn't need an a, a origin thing of that, that they can kind of start over with these new people. But um, that kind of, you know, I don't think that's what they want to do. They want to, they want to start completely with scratch from scratch. But then there's like, there's still the Aquaman thing going on. And there's this flash movie slash with Batman and stuff. And they've, then they scrapped the Batman movie or Batwoman movie after it was already completed. So there's these other questions here of these other projects. So, here,
1: it's a little bit of business, Hollywood business here, and it's a little bit of us I, I trying to kind of predict what's going to happen. As far as the Batgirl movie goes, it's Hollywood business. Zaslav and the people higher up, this is even before they hire, hired James Gunn, saw the Batgirl film and felt like it wasn't something they could put in theaters, but it wasn't, it was too good for streaming. So it was kind of in this middle section, and they basically said, we'll take the tax write-off and cancel, basically axed it. The issue with that is by law, because of how they handled this film, this film can never see the light of day or, or Warner Brothers is gonna get fined and taxed. Like no one's believed. So no unless some underground copies get out, nobody's gonna see this Batgirl film in, in the majority of that. So there's that. As far as what's remaining, let's let's address this real quick. In 2023, we're going to have four DC live action films. You will have Shazam, you will have The Flash you have Blue Beetle, which stars the young actor who played Miguel on Cobra Kai. And you will have Aquaman at the end of December. Basically, right now, in a way, it feels like those four films are kind of lame duck films. They're kind of just like what the Brenman were. However, I think at least two of those projects can be saved and figured out a way to be carried over. I which think- two? Shazam and Blue Beetle can be carried over. Because Blue Beetle is basically coming out with no connection to the DC universe at all. And Shazam has not really had any ties to the Justice League and all the Snyder stuff and anything like that. There's so mention went,
0: they meant, he mentioned Spider or I'm sorry, not Spider. He mentioned Superman in the trailer, the new trailer. So I'm, but they don't mention which Superman. But right. right. There's an established Superman though, apparently. So yeah. I don't know. So so here's
1: the thing. There's, there is another way out of this, Kevin. I'm going to get a little comic book here for a minute. The Flash movie, which is under a lot of controversy for a lot of different reasons. We don't need to go into that right now. But the basis idea of the Flash movie was that it was going to be a based off of a story called Flashpoint, where the Flash travels through time and basically ends up resetting the timeline. Of the to me, James Gunn has an easy out with this then. If he, if he were to film some little short segment that shows like a quote-unquote flashpoint effect that he could put at the end of each of these four movies and have that be like the closing scene or the mid-credits stinger or whatever, have that be – and that indicates that, hey, this event's happened. It's resetting the DC universe. So when he comes back with whatever his first DC project's going to be in 2024, it can start establishing that new timeline or whatever – the reset is from Flashpoint.
0: Okay, so Flash is going to basically reset the DC new universe going forward with whatever they might have to do, some reshoots to add something or whatever, maybe. I don't know.
1: If, if that's the direction they choose to go. I don't know that for sure, but it would be their easiest out. And here's the crazy thing. It's all the con- From all the controversy with that Flash film, everywhere you read about test screenings, the test screenings, people are loving this movie. So, this dude that's due out in the middle of June, June I think it's in between like Indiana Jones and um
0: Transformers.
1: <laughs> it comes out okay. the week between those two films, so.
0: Interesting. Well, um my thoughts specifically here, it, it hurts, but you got to tear off that band-aid that's a, attached to some hair on your arm, and as much as I'm going to miss Gal and Henry and you know even, you know, Mr. Affleck himself as Batfleck, uh, and Jason Momoa as um, Aquaman. I think it's time to just start fresh uh, because none of these films and none of these stories uh, were planned well enough in ahead to make sure that everyone was locked down for certain things. I mean, Batman, Batfleck, he, we pretty much found out that he was done. Before a bunch of other movies started coming out Which you know was kind of a bummer You know and so As much as I'm going to miss these characters Especially Gal as as Wonder Woman um, You got to start fresh And maybe start fresh with some other characters And then bring in the the big hitters Later Batman and and Superman I don't know but uh, Whatever starts um, Some continuity And they start coexisting a little bit better And starting from the, the ground floor Let's make it happen
1: yeah i think i think the only th- right now to me the only characters who probably are pretty safe are certain characters from james gunn's suicide squad because he's going forward with peacemaker season two um right. i think you got to keep viola davis as amanda waller no matter what because she owns that character at this point point. and i could even see working margot robbie over as harley Quinn if she wants to continue playing the, playing the role because again there's not a ton of ties to that dc universe that that those particular characters have so it'll be interesting to see where it goes um I think it's one of the top stories of 2023 is what, how is James Gunn going to reshape the DC? There's
0: universe. some people that are really pissed off at James Gunn. He's taken a lot of heat, you know, and uh, he had released a statement too regarding uh, that stuff. And, and uh, either way, he knew uh, that he was going to get some, uh, some hatred for this, but uh, I, I applaud him for uh, making the move and being bold about it and doing it and, and making the decision. I, I, that was a big decision to make and let's see if it, uh, it pays off for him and for the fans.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and of course, in the biggest, most recent piece of news about this, of course, too, is the decision not to move forward with anything Black Adam at this time with The Rock.
0: as well, yeah. so, which we had yeah. Henry Cavill uh, as a cameo at the end of that, you know? Yeah, I- interesting story
1: about that, too, that cameo was filled two different ways. One from just the chest down, so all you saw was the S, and then one that was with Henry Cavill, Cavill's face, because th- they weren't sure if they were going to be able to pull that off, so... Very interesting when you look back. back Wait, wait, I'm confused. Uh, Pull what off? That cameo off at the end of Black Adam. They weren't sure if they they wanted to have Superman's presence in there, but they weren't sure if they could get Henry Caville for that. And the rock Ah. basically kind of worked rock magic and made it happen. I see. But they kind of had it different ways. But Mr. Reitzel, I got trailers, I got trailers, and I got more trailers. We got a ton (laughs) of trailers that have come out in the last few weeks. And the first one, Kevin. I'm just going to let you take the floor because this is you. This is, this is all you. This is your f- favorite character maybe of all time.
0: Indiana Jones. Yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark, favorite movie of all time. We finally got the trailer for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, there's a lot of speculation on how much de-aging is going to happen with Mr. Dr. Jones because uh, we've seen on set pictures of him with the dots on his face. And uh, obviously, it looks like they're going to tie something back to some Nazis, which is good because uh, Nazis make great bad guys. Um, Phoebe Waller Bridge, is that her name? Uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the girl from um, uh, Fleabag. And of course, played the uh, uh, droid voice um, in mocap suit for Solo, the one, uh, forgetting the name of that darn droid. Uh, but the one that became the brain inside the, uh, the millennium Falcon.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. She, yeah, she's,
0: she's in it. And uh, yeah, so I saw it. just, it looked like fun and that's what I was hoping for. And that's what I got out of the trailer. And I'm really excited for it. you.
1: I, I'm, I'm very, I'm excited for hearing that music always gets the blood pumping. Those first yeah. those notes. Of dun, 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 and it's like, you know, the blood gets pumping. I'm curious as to the story. um Kingdom of the crystal skull, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little bit mixed emotions on this, but I think this will be, I think this movie feels like just from what I've saw, seen from the trailer as an upgrade from what that film was. I, um, it's Harrison Ford's last ride probably as Indiana Jones. I would say probably, because I don't want to say definitely because Harrison is all of a sudden taking roles left and right again. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I am excited for this. It's Indiana Jones. Of course, I'm going to go see this in the theater and I'm hoping it's an absolutely fun ride. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: The next one that came out, Kevin, is the newest addition to the Transformers franchise, Transformers Rise of the Beast, brought to you by pretty much the same team that brought us the great Bumblebee movie a few years back. And a lot a lot of people credit that Bumblebee movie with kind of rebooting and re-energizing the Transformers movie franchise, getting a little bit away from all the Michael Bay and everything like this. Kevin, I love this trailer. I am incredibly excited for this movie. Um, Optimus Prime looked bright. The, tran- the, the introduction of the um, Beast Wars Transformers Optimus Primal the big gorilla that you see in the trailer and some of them that you saw and throughout the scenes looked good and Kevin I was thinking about you because I didn't see too many scenes with Transformers in the dark a lot of it was in broad daylight
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, okay so I I like the Transformers I'm not as a biggest fan of them as you were or are Mm -hmm. Um, and I was never a fan of the beast war things i i just i don't know i i like my transformers as vehicles and objects and stuff like that so um i i wasn't quite attached to the idea of the beast wars being brought into it but uh, i i am curious uh i have to see another trailer for me you want to go see it opening weekend though because uh as much as I like the Bumblebee franchise uh, or the Bumblebee movie, which was kind of hoping to give us a, a soft reboot of the franchise, um, I, I don't know if this one is a direct sequel to that one or not. Do we know?
1: It, it is. It is It is picking up from where the Bumblebee movie was. But
0: ha- Haley Steinfeld's not in it, though, right? Correct.
1: She's not. Okay. I mean, if you remember, right, he did leave her at the end of the film.
0: True. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about it, to be honest with you. Well, I, I, I'm excited. I, I loved one of my favorite parts of that Bumblebee movie was the
1: first 10 minutes when it was just Transformers on Cybertron. It showed me they can do this. And it looks like this when I see some of the characters and Transformers that they do in this trailer. It gives me a lot of confidence. So I'm hopeful and I'm excited. But I'm even more excited, Kevin, because we also got the trailer. James Gunn. Apparently, he's he's crossing the streams because he's doing DC and he's still doing Marvel at this point. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And Kevin, we I got to be honest you weren't excited about the ant-man trailer we've talked a little bit about aspects of certain people having marvel burnout after just phase four being so large and maybe not meeting everybody's expectations what did you think of the guardians of the galaxy volume three trailer
0: yeah my issue with the ant-man trailer was there was no fun in it um ant-man is fun and it's funny and there there wasn't that much in it this one kind of took a a little bit of a serious turn too with this trailer uh you know and I, uh, I, I'm I i looking forward to it, but um, kind of getting the feeling someone's going to die.
1: Yeah, I, I was kind of pulling that, or something bad's going to happen to some, somebody, and I have my suspicions of who that's going to be just from what I saw in the trailer and a few things I've heard here and there. Um, this is the final Guardians of the Galaxy story by James Gunn, though, and probably the yeah. final time we'll see this iteration of the Guardians of
0: the Galaxy. Yeah, this will be interesting, so yeah. On the Star Wars side, Kevin, a little animation.
1: We got the trailer drop for season two of The Bad Batch. Now, I was okay with season one of The Bad Batch. This just trailer for season two actually though has me a little bit more excited for season two than I was for season one.
0: Uh, I'm hmm, I, I enjoyed season one. Um, it, it's just kind of like a it's kind of one of those Star Wars that you, you like but you're not like heavily invested in it, you know, like certain other things you might really like, you know. Uh, It's just kind of fun, popcorn, candy, sitting down, eating a little munchy munch and enjoying some Star Wars. But I I have not gone back and rewatched any episodes of Bad Batch before or as as of yet. Uh, I'm curious to see where certain characters go, but I'm actually more curious about the timeline, the time frame. And what's happening during uh, this rise of the empire, and uh, the the pre uh, the uh, the post um, Order sixty six? That that's kind of what I'm more curious about. Uh, the characters in Bad Batch, we'll see. You know, yeah. Um, I don't know. What about you? I- I'm kind of with you there. I want to see how they build this world and these
1: characters up more this season. I th- I think the first season of Bad Batch still had a lot of um, Clone Wars things that it tied into. Yeah, it was trying to wrap up, but what I do like what they're doing here, what I feel like we're getting at least in this trailer for season 2, we're starting to find out what's happened to the clone troopers that remained after order. Yeah, and 66. So, I'm really looking I'm looking forward to that aspect of the story. I'm kind of like you though. I haven't really revisited season 1 of the Bad Batch, but I I'm I, I'm I will definitely be watching season 2. So, looking forward yeah. to that. Um, quick piece of Star Wars news I want to throw in here, Kevin. It's not confirmed, but there's very strong rumors. Mary Elizabeth Weinstein, who has been known to be cast for the Ahsoka show for a while, will be playing Hera Syndulla in Ahsoka.
0: I think it's Weinstein. I think Weinstein. Uh, yeah. Um, oh yes, I, I'm excited about this. Been a big fan of hers, of course, since um, Scott Pilgrim. Uh, and by the way, we have a friend in the uh, the chat here, uh, Johnny K. Hey, Just John. Merry by. Christmas miss you guys love you guys happy holidays thank you so much johnny and for those of you that don't know let's give a little plug johnny k is the director of batman the oath a batman fan film this is a uh, uh, this is a mock up of what a dvd would look like this is my personal copy this does not exist i just made this up but the movie batman Fan film "The Oath" is on YouTube right now, free, and it's reached over a hundred thousand views. And if you are a fan of Batman 1989, make sure you watch it. Seventeen-minute film gives a little uh, prequel to what happens in the Batman 89 film. It takes place about a week before, and uh, uh, we we had them on a Culture Clash special talking about that, and we also had Johnny and uh, the Batman himself, William uh, William J. And Chris, one of the characters, played one of the cops in there. We had them on for Batman 1989 Couch Potato Theater. Uh, but give the oath a shot uh, and a view on um, YouTube. Give it a like, some comments too. And uh, check out Chaotica Studios also on YouTube. Uh, you can find the other films there as well. So, yeah, last check over 120,000 views on YouTube. Nice. Congratulations, Johnny. Proud of you.
1: We we're very proud of you, Johnny, and you're great great friend to us and the network. And you know, go go see the oath, and when you watch it. Maybe just drop a hashtag Tim Burton or at Tim Burton. You know, we want. I to know, right? The- <laughs> 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 so, Kevin, I got one more trailer for you. I, I put this in there because when this trailer came out a couple weeks ago, it kind of broke the internet because it's just so bizarre. But the fact that it's actually based off a true story as well. And that trailer is for the movie Cocaine Bear. Um, <laughs> so this isn't this movie is inspired off of a true story about a
0: bear that ate some misplaced cocaine. And I, I got a little blurb about that from CNN okay. News. If you've seen the astonishing trailer for Cocaine Bear making the rounds on Twitter, you might have questioned about the film's claim that it is inspired by true events. But the story is indeed based on a true story of a bear who overdosed on cocaine in the 1980s. The film, which will be released in February of 2023, was directed and co-produced by Elizabeth Banks. In the film, the bear goes on a cocaine-fueled killing spree after its drug binge. In real life, the story has less sensational ending. The bear was found dead in Chattahoochee National Forest after overdosing a duffel bag of cocaine was dropped from a small plane into the mountains of Georgia by Andrew Thornton, who died after parachuting from a plane, according to reporting at the time by the associated press. So yeah, it did happen. It was a real thing. Uh, but I think they take the movie to extreme, which is good. (laughs) But but Kevin, here's the thing. This has got a legitimate
1: cast in it too. Obviously, as they said, directed by Elizabeth Banks, it's Ray Liotta's last film. Yeah. Um, Carrie Russell is in this movie. Matthew Reich is in this movie. Margo Martindale is in this movie. Alden Aaron, right. Solo himself is in this movie as is O'Shea Jackson, Jr. And Jesse Tyler Ferguson from modern family. So there, there's a legitimate cast to this film. Yes. As yes.
0: Well. Oh, and speaking of solo, this, uh, star Wars movie, we have Derek Marsh, uh, saying hi to us here in the chat. He is of course one of the co-hosts of what a piece of junk star Wars podcast here on the Phantom podcast network. Um, I don't think Derek has uh, had any uh, run-ins with a cocaine bear, but uh, <laughs> I saw but you the trailer. Really live to tell about it if you do. That's the question. I saw the trailer for this, and I laughed out loud when there's the one scene where the bear rolls over on his back and he's slowly like pushing himself with his legs after he's hot <laughs> on the cocaine before he goes insane again. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, are you seeing Cocaine Bear in the theaters? I don't know about the theaters, but I will be seeing cocaine there. <laughs> Derek <laughs> says that me. he was a cousin of Fozzie Bear. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me at this point, you know. If Fozzie went Hollywood, a lot of things happen. I'm just going to say right now, I have to be in the right mood to take a chance of this movie in the theater, So we'll see.
1: Yeah, well, it's kind of one of those ones. I'll for sure see it when it when it hits streaming. If it, if I'm in the right mood, I'll go like you. I'll go see it in the theaters. <laughs> but yeah, well, that, just could it be the new Sharknado? That's all I'm saying. Put <laughs> <laughs> it out there. Um, lastly, for news though, um, Kevin, something we have been highly anticipating season three of The Mandalorian got officially announced for March 1st, 2023. Um, I'm excited.
0: I'm, Is it I'm it March ready. Yet?
1: Is it March yeah, yet? Uh, uh, no, not, qu- not quite yet. We got a few things <laughs> before then, but yeah. Um, but that's that, kind of wrap up to news. We we got we got some other things to talk about, including a few things we've seen. Yes, we actually do watch, have time to watch things around here. So, without further ado, buy it, buy it, buy it, stream it, stream it, it, it or unsee un- 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 it, unsee it. Evan, there was some movie that came out here recently, like 13 years, directed by some guy named Cameron. Um, I, wasn't it some kind of underwater documentary film?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, could it be, could be, could be. Uh oh, what is it Kyle? What are we talking about? Uh a little film called Avatar: The
1: Way of Water. Kevin went all in on Pandora as we can see.
0: Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um well, I thank you, Derek. <laughs> I uh, went in. I went in 3D IMAX, just like I did when I originally saw the first Avatar 2009. And I also got my metal tin bucket, popcorn bucket. And, of course, my collectible mug that's got one of the little creatures, little creature tops on top of it. And uh, I actually got the glasses that um, I accidentally forgot to put in the recycling bin when I left Mm, the theater. Accidentally, he says. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Avatar 2, the way of the water, Kyle. Let me just say this. I've always been an Avatar fan. I know a lot of Avatar haters out there. For some reason, it started during uh, the uh, release of Force Awakens because uh, people were wondering if uh, Force Awakens was going to actually break that Avatar record. And all of a sudden, a lot of people started saying how they hated Avatar. I didn't, Kyle. I love Avatar. And I thoroughly enjoyed Avatar 2, The Way of the Water, even though it was over three hours long.
1: Yes, there did need to be a bathroom break in this film. Uh, that's that, that's one thing.
0: And the problem with Avatar is that it's so phenomenally
1: visual and just so brilliantly that you don't want to take your eyes off the screen if you need to take that said bathroom break. But, Kevin, I think for me, one of the things about this film, too, that really impressed me, because I'll be honest with you, I did have some minor reservations. I From the trailers, I was kind of worried that maybe Cameron did a little bit of wash, rinse, repeat with the storyline. Right. Oh, but he did it. And he, what he did here was he world built, and he character built. Probably the best he's done since Terminator Two. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you.
0: Agreed. Uh, the The stakes were higher in this one, and you also find out that the uh, the humans who have come from Earth uh, aren't going anywhere, and they are dug into Pandora, and that we also get a little revenge flick in this. Uh, but it's about the most, mostly about the two cultures of the two different Navi tribes that, uh, um, that we are, you know, familiar with, there might be more, but we get the jungle Navi that we were familiar with in the, the, yeah. the original film with the, mm-hmm. uh, the water uh, bearing, I guess, Navi that live on the water near the water. But the most important thing about this is that there is more connection to not just between the two tribes and, and, I also liked how the water tribes, they're a little bit different, the, the Navi creatures, the beings themselves, because they have adapted to the water life. But the most important thing is that one thing that you learn from the first film is connecting to the, the creatures around you and how it's just not just wild creatures out there that want to pounce and kill humans, but there's a, a, a connection to them. And you get that through the water creatures that you see. And man, Kyle, seeing it in 3D and specifically 3D IMAX, the underwater scenes were freaking amazing.
1: Yes, they were. And I saw it in 3D IMAX as well. And that was one thing I was not worried about was the visuals in this, especially when you're dealing with water, because we know James Cameron's love of the ocean. We love you know, the abyss, his own personal things he's done. With oceanography and just his 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 feelings towards the ocean. So I was not concerned about this at all. And it, it, Visually, it is just... I didn't think you could top what he did in Avatar. And not only did he top it, I thought he, p- pardon the pun, blew it out of the water.
0: With, with what <laughs> yeah, he did or, or went a little extra
1: deep with the story. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's that too. And with, I think that to me is the get, get extra yeah, depth deep, to a, yeah. the story. Yeah. Get, get yeah. There. I think I think the other thing that I really liked here, and it was one of the things I actually had some concerns about, was there were certain actors he was bringing back for this film: Sigourney Weaver, Stephen Lang. I thought how he did it was very imaginative and a little bit outside of the box, and what I was predicting was gonna was gonna be the case. And I think too, the other thing here, Kevin, you talked about the connection, the message of the connection with the animals and the planet of Pandora itself. I also think there was a big message with family in this, especially how tight-knit yep. not only the, the Soli family was, but also how tight-knit the aquatic family was. You saw the, the, the sister and the brothers and how they were able to overcome their own differences with each other to kind of unite as as one here. And then you even have the element of you have this human child that is now been brought into this Navi family as as well. And I think that that makes all for interesting things. And I want to say this too, as far as when the film ends, I really felt like okay. Now I feel like I, we're really going to have a true sequel here. Unlike when, because I went back after this, after I watched this and watched the original Avatar again, the extended edition, and I, it really just feels like when that movie ends, that could be it. There would be nothing else right. here. You definitely feel like it's kind of got the Empire Strikes Back kind of feel of yes, there's going to be another film,
0: which is what I love that James Cameron has done is he's built his own mythology his own world, literally. And he has these plans for these sequels. We're going to get the third one in two years. And there's, and I like that little time in between. And and I think that when you watch the end of this film, there is some closure, but then there isn't because, you know, like, wait a minute. What about that thing? That's not wrapped up yet. What about that thing? You know, and there was things in this one too. People died, you know, which is, spoiler because you know it happened in the first film but th- this was a big deal because uh um it just wasn't like okay not everyone's gonna live and i and, you know with this struggle with this planet and that there's other resources that the humans from earth are going after other than just this metal that we got in the first film you know and they we find out the earth is dying and so they're trying to expand and fortunately or unfortunately they've picked pandora yeah yeah and I think the
1: other thing, Kevin, that is an aspect of this that I'm really intrigued by is obviously we know he's got a third film. Now, my understanding as it stands right now, the success of the second and third film will debate whether he gets his fourth, fifth, and sixth films. Currently, the second Way of Water stands at 600 million worldwide. Now, I believe Cameron said it's got to make like $2 billion to finish ahead or something. It's got to make astronomical money to finish ahead. I think with a worldwide audience, it can do that. Yeah. Because I think, so I think that's going to be very interesting to see. We Mr. Definitely- James
0: Cameron, if it helps, I'm going to see your movie again tomorrow. That's going to bump it yeah. up a little bit. And let me just say this, Kyle. I'm going to go see it again tomorrow. I think this is the first movie this year that I've seen twice in the theater that says something i can't remember i I saw top gun maverick
1: twice i saw top gun maverick twice in the theater
0: i think i only saw it once yeah yeah so if that tells you something i'm going back for a three hour movie to see it again because i need to see it again
1: that's the other thing too with the runtime of this movie and that was a concern i had at three hours and 10 minutes this is a long movie but kevin i'm gonna i I think you agreed with me when i said this in a private chat we had a at no point does this movie feel like it has that slowdown period where you're just like, oh, they could have cut this 20 minutes out of this film.
0: Yeah, it kept moving, and I I started drinking my big soda, like, right early, and I had to go to the bathroom, and I had to leave, like, in 20 minutes in the movie because I couldn't wait. <laughs> and so <laughs> I missed I missed a good five minutes there, but I'll go back and, and, and catch that again, but – uh Um, Yeah, no, I I felt it was paced pretty well. I did not get tired to where I wanted to. My seats were comfortable, too. So I I was I was enthralled the whole time.
1: Yeah, no, um, I definitely would call Avatar the way of the water
0: for me. Yep. Sorry. One last thing I want to mention before Avatar 2, the first Avatar was still the best 3D movie I've ever seen. (laughs) And that spurned a bunch of 3D craze in the theaters because we went to go see a bunch of them. Maybe Dread was like one of the really good 3D films. There might've been a few others, Kyle. Actually Pacific Rim was really good in 3D. Pacific Rim. Yeah, that was a good one in 3D, but a lot of them were not worth seeing in 3D. But after seeing Avatar 2, Avatar 2 and Avatar 1 are the best 3D movies I have ever seen. Okay. That brings me
1: in a a quick question. Not necessarily Avatar. When you saw Avatar in, in the theater, did you get 3D trailers? Because I did. Uh,
0: the original film or this new one, the, the new one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, guardians of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And there was something else I forgot. So I'll be curious to
1: see, is Cameron going to inspire another 3d comeback
0: or is it going to be, I don't know. I would love to get a, a, a new edition of a 3d smart TV again. Cause right now I got to mm-hmm. buy them secondhand from somewhere. Um, yeah. because, to have a 3d tv that is also a smart tv kind of hard to find in, in a good quality one and i don't have one and i need to get one
1: i actually still have my vizio 3d tv that i have in my living room one of the because one of the technical thing this film was actually filmed in 4k hdr 3d so it's not like it's 4k high uh, hdr which high very high resolution there was maybe once or twice in the film where i could feel like that was almost it kind of made things a little wonky with some very quick motion things. But I have that tech. I'm not saying it to track it. I'm just saying I noticed it. So I did not. okay no, no.
0: but I'll Cameron that is, next time.
1: Yeah, But I, I didn't take away from the movie at all. I will say this too about James Cameron before I give my final rating. Um, James Cameron is one of the few directors out there, in my opinion, that still knows how to make a movie theater
0: experience movie. Yep. Yep. And he loves right. his water so yeah <laughs> yes
1: he does but as for me avatar the way of the waters it will be a buy it when it comes out on per, available for purchase this was a a great trip back to pandora i enjoy that world i know it's not everybody's cup of tea that's fine you're entitled to your own opinion but for me this was thoroughly enjoyment and 600 million in less than a week and a half proves that a lot of people like going to pandora so
0: yeah yeah and, and what about you kevin uh, it's definitely a, a, a buy it. Go see it in the theater. It's it's something you should see. I've been telling people at work, I've had some people ask me, like, hey, I want to see this. Did you like it? And I said, yes, but pay the extra money. Go see it on a large screen format 3D. And yeah. the closest 3D IMAX theater to me is 45 minutes away.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's, that was about it for me, too. It's about a 40-minute drive from my IMAX 3d um and we got uh sergeant Slaughter slaughterhouse saying hi to us in the chat what's up sergeant slaughters <laughs> yo joe yo joe
0: <laughs> oh yeah Ooh, kyle got me this good toy stuff right here tomax and zama nice so kevin I want, I want to switch things up though because i want to go
1: into a streaming platform i want to talk some netflix specifically a certain day of the week wednesday as in wednesday adams this was a show Produced by Tim Burton, starring Jenna Ortega. I wasn't sure about I, Tim Burton's always kind of a hit or miss thing for me. I like the Adams Family films with Raul Julia, and of course, and of course, the, Christina Ricci as Wednesday Adams, That, and of course, the classic Adams Family show too, as well. But I just wasn't sure here. Here, but Kevin, this show compl- really surprised me in how good it was. The quality, the amazing acting in it, and a little bit, Kevin. I'm going to ask you if you felt this way too it kind of had a little bit of a modern buffy vibe for me
0: uh that is an excellent way to put it i would agree with you with that yes yeah
1: i i i i think the only thing to me kevin that really it just kind of i I wasn't sure about there's one role that was cast i love Luis guzman he's a phenomenal actor i had a little hard hard time with him as gomez adams other than but not enough to make me go oh my god this is terrible but I had that, no, I
0: had no issues with Luis. I'm a huge fan of Luis. I love his stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have an issue with that. I uh, was, yeah, I didn't have any issue. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this series. I started watching it in Australia with them, um, with uh, my wife, Aaron and then I finished it up when I got back. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, Jen Ortega, fantastic. I thought the cast overall was great, yes. and uh, I one of the things that really jumped out to me was the set pieces and the real locations in Romania that they filmed. I know they had a filming studio there as well, but the castle was real on the outside. I love the cars, the setting. Tim Burton did a great job with the look of it, the the music and all that stuff that he did. I just, you know, really done really, really, really well overall. And I just, I, I absolutely love this series.
1: Yeah, it was it was such fun, and um, Jenna Ortega is just magical in this show yeah. as Wednesday Adams. Uh, she 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 was amazing casting and just perfect in basically every way. But like you said, it was it's a great cast all the way around, and also bringing finding a role for Christina Ricci within this show as well. And yeah, it's I love role.
0: Love seeing Christina Ricci and, of course, Gwendolyn Christie, of course, as we know, of uh, Brianna Tarth from um, Game of Thrones and uh, Phasma on the uh, the prequel or sequel trilogy. She, was, she had a really cool role as well. And uh, uh, ha- just, you know, well done. Yeah. It was just a really, really well done. I'm looking forward to another season of this. And uh, they just did a wonderful job. In fact, it was so well done that one of the directors
1: – Tim Burton directed four episodes. James Marshall directed two. And I'm going to, if I pronounce this name, I completely apologize. Anja or Ganja Montario, who directed two episodes. She has been hired by Marvel to direct episodes of the upcoming Agatha series. Uh,
0: Hey, I want to give a shout out Heather Ruth. Uh, is in the chat, uh, Heather. Good to see you. Glad you enjoyed the show too. And yes, Catherine Zeta-Jones as Morticia was fantastic. <laughs> well yeah, done. Yeah, she was. She, she 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 just completely held up the tradition of
1: amazing Morticias throughout history of the Addams Family. Yeah, but, yeah. Agreed with you, Heather. This well is, done. Well said. Outside of the Jeffrey Dahmer show, this was the most watched show on Netflix this year, and as up there with numbers like stranger things. So I got to figure it's anytime now season two is going to get announced. Yeah,
0: so, definitely. Uh, definitely.
1: I am very excited for that and looking forward to that. Um, Wednesday, I'm buying it. If they ever put it out to where you can buy it, it's just getting lost. <laughs> stream it. Definitely stream it. Definitely stream it. <laughs> buy it and stream it. Yes. Um, Kevin, before we get to our last film that we're going to talk about, I actually want to talk about another thing that was on Netflix that both I found out right before the show, both you and I watched because it's right from our wheelhouse man. And that is, Hey, Pepsi, where's my jet? <laughs> this is, yes. a doc- yeah, this is a great docuseries on Netflix. And if you're of our Kevin and I's age, or maybe a little bit older, a little bit younger, you remember from the what was it, late eighties, early nineties, a Pepsi, prom- early nineties, yeah, okay, a Pepsi promotion for Pepsi points. Now in, in the ad for these Pepsi points, they're showing all the different things you can get. And at the end of the, ad there's a harrier jump jet which like 7 million pepsi pepsi points but pepsi kind of forgot to add something to that ad at the end kevin
0: yeah disclaimer that it's not a real thing (laughs) and i actually remember hearing about this where a kid
1: got the 7 million pepsi points and wanted his harrier jet well this documentary catches up with that kid and the other people involved in this case so many years later and it is a great nostalgia trip, and also very interesting, Kevin.
0: What I liked about the nostalgia trip of this series uh, is that you remember the camp campaign advertising blitz that Pepsi was pouring money in to promote their their Pepsi products to try to overcome the most popular soda, cola, which was Coca Cola. I mean, they got they got Cindy Crawford, dude, and they got like you know. Is it Michael Jackson and all these famous people and they were just promoting the hell out of it. So they decided to promote products, your Pepsi duffel bag. I actually got, I actually did that for a Pepsi duffel bag. I did get my duffel bag and I had that for years until it broke Kyle. Uh, but they had all of these cool Pepsi points and this guy who had a, a, a rich backer, a friend of his, as well as uh, some help with some lawyers. They, uh, they took Pepsi to court to try to get their Harrier jet, and it was very funny to see uh, the path and how it ended up and stuff. So yeah, check it out. Uh, hey, Pepsi, where's my jet on Netflix? I think it's like what four or six episodes something like I think that. It's right? four, I think it's
1: only like four episodes. It's a short. Yeah.
0: it's a shorter series. One of the fun things about it though was
1: everybody who was involved in documentary, they had them take the Pepsi challenge.
0: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the Pepsi and Coke challenge. That was very very funny. Thank you, Heather, so, by the way. You're awesome yeah, as well. Appreciate it. Thank you, Heather. So much. Thank you so much.
1: Kevin, it is the holiday season, which means we have to have a
0: holiday film for
1: Buy It, Stream It, or Unsee It. And we've got a brand new one to introduce. One I just finished watching a couple hours ago. You saw it in the theaters just a few days ago yourself. One of our favorite actors of, of recent times, David Harbour, is portraying a lovely, heartwarming Christmas film. Where he plays Santa Claus, Violent Night, <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, very, very much a entertaining film. John Leguizamo, uh, uh, as, as he will always receive love from Kevin for his connections to John Wick, but he, a phenomenal actor in himself, plays a bad guy, and David Harbor plays our lovable, caring, soft, kind, nonviolent Santa. And if you can note the sarcasm in my voice,
0: I give you credit. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, a group of mercenaries attack an estate of wealthy family, and Santa Claus must step in to save the day. David Harbour was wonderful in this. And I love the fact that, uh, you know, Santa's doing his thing you know, he's got his reindeer and he stops at this house and he starts seeing what happens and he gets pulled into it and he makes a connection with one of the young girls who's, who was held captive with the family. Uh, But what I really like about this, first of all, there's some really good death scenes, a lot of um, blunt force trauma scenes as well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But what I like about this film though, is that you get a little tease to Santa Claus himself and his, past and what he used to be which lends to his talents of being able to fight back and you, you don't get a lot but if we get a sequel kyle or maybe a possible prequel i hope to see a little more of that, that they tease in this film yes um that was that was very intriguing and i really
1: like the concept that they were doing there but kevin there's something very important about this film this this, this film is the true story of home alone. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is. Go, go, go ahead. ahead. No, Okay, no. I was just going to say th- this movie is something that I think a lot of film directors have probably wanted to make for a long time and can never find the vehicle for it. This writer, this director found a vehicle for it. what truly
0: kind of damage the home alone movie traps will really do to somebody. So director Tommy Ricola, writers Pat Casey and Josh Miller. What's funny about this, this movie was being uh, labeled as this is Home Alone Meets Die Hard, which is very, very accurate. And they're mm-hmm. they're upfront about it. But the best part about it is that Home Alone is referenced in this movie. <laughs> You filthy and the animal. Kid and the, and <laughs> uh, some of the traps that Kevin McAllister used, that's his last name at Home Alone, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. McAllister? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the kid is inspired in this film to help Santa uh, get rid of some of the bad guys by using some of these similar tricks, which I liked. But I did have to give a shout out, Kyle. If you are interested in watching Santas get violent against bad guys with Christmas cheer... 2020, there was a movie called Fat Man starring mm-hmm. um, a certain road warrior, Mel Gibson, where in a little bit different take of the modern tale of, uh, of, of Santa Claus, where he plays an unorthodox Santa Claus who's fighting to save his declining business in the North Pole, while a spoiled rich kid who gets coal Decides to hire a hitman to kill Santa. The hitman, played by fan favorite Walton Goggins, this movie also gets violently fun as well. Highly recommend Fat Man.
1: Yes, you are very correct in that. I gotta ask you though, Kevin. There's there's a lot there's a lot of gruesome deaths in this in this film, but some of them they do in an interesting way. Um, all I'm going to say is there's a scene with an attic ladder.
0: Yes, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was, yes. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, well said. Yeah, uh, that's definitely a bite for me. That one is going on my shelf when it comes out on video. Yeah, uh,
1: a- a- absolutely. It will it, it will probably fit into the Christmas rotation going
0: forward. Yeah. yeah. So
1: yep. just saying that. Well, everybody, we're going to take a quick break, let you know what else is happening here on the Fandom Podcast Network. and we come back, um, Kevin, you have the Magic 8-Ball right, all decorated up for its holiday edition?
0: Uh, it's not decorated, but I've got the Magic 8-Ball because we're going to be talking about our favorite things of fandom in 2022. And we're going to be reading your comments that you guys left on the Facebook page. So uh, stay tuned. And we will be right back, but here is what's happening on the Fandom Podcast Network. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. Here are the other great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network. Culture Clash, where we discuss the latest in entertainment and pop culture. Blood of Kings, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theater, we celebrate our favorite movies. And Time Warp, our fandom flashback show discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie, TV, and pop culture topics. Good evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Hair Metal Podcast. We cover the rock metal music of the 80s and early 90s. Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast discussing the time-traveling Doctor Who universe. Lethal Mullet, an action film podcast covering the 80s, 90s, and beyond. Also, check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, our Star Wars podcast. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast with a deep dive into the final frontier. The Fandom Show our Fandom Podcast Network live YouTube show discussing the hottest topics in fandom, the True Believers MCU podcast discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Television Universe, Union Federation, our Star Trek, and the Orville show. And we're proud to welcome the BQN Network to the Fandom Podcast Network. Please visit our friends on the BQN Network, a Star Trek universe podcast that also includes your favorite topics, movies, history, superheroes, and more. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on YouTube. The Fandom Podcast Network is also on all major podcast platforms. The Fandom Podcast Network audio master feed is on Podbean at fpnet.podbean.com. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. Okay, and we're back, Kevin. Can you see me, Kevin? Can you (laughs) see me segment of the show, right? I got my 3D glasses on, right? No? Uh, I couldn't afford James Cameron
1: this week. I'm sorry. Darn it! All right, fine.
0: (laughs) We are back. We are here
1: with our Culture Clash holiday spectacular. Hopefully, those of you who are joining us on either YouTube or Facebook or Twitter are enjoying what we're doing and taking part in the fun. But, Kevin, I I reached out to you because I wanted to get that. The the Fandom Podcast Network Magic 8-Ball Ready to go because we wanted to talk about because you know it's, it's the holiday season, but we're not going to have another culture clash till after the new year. So we wanted to make sure we got some New Year love, New Year's love into this thing as well. Um, and that is, of course, we asked Magic Eight Ball, what were your top eight fandom events or movies or shows that happened in 2022? Now, Kevin, before we get to fan comments, because we did reach out to all of our amazing listeners and fans out there. I want to bring up something that came up to me while I was doing my research for my list, because I think it's an important thing to talk about, is that 2022, I would put this in the dishonorable mentions for the most part, um, a lack of movies in 2022, Kevin. It was slim pickings this year.
0: Yeah, and well, we just, we're coming off of the COVID, you know, uh, lack of production, basically, and, and delays, a lot of delays, really. Uh, from 2021 and that carried over in 2022 and uh, the movie industry and television industry, mostly the movie industry is ca- trying to figure out what to do. Are we going back to the way things were or do we have to take a different spin on this? And so that has a, had a lot to do with it. You know, uh, movies that they were trying to basically get back on track, testing the water, so to speak. Yeah. I, I think
1: that's a big part of it. Cause there's a lot of movies that I know were supposed to come out in 2022 now that have been adjusted to 2023. I do think 2023 is going to be the year of the comeback for movies. And at
0: least that's what my hope is. I think there's some
1: really big movies coming out. I
0: mean, hey, I saw Bullet Train and I just picked up the uh you know the 4 K oh, Ultra right here, you know. There, so. there were there were some
1: definitely some good things that did happen in 2022. But Kevin, what did the listeners think of the good yes. and the bad of 2022?
0: I had to see what our friends on Facebook said, so I put a little post out there, and uh, they said, The Magic 8-Ball, we're going to give our top eight uh, things in fandom, but we wanted to get what their thoughts were. And uh, it starts off with our buddy Blair there in uh, Brisbane, Australia. He says, "Uh, Favorite movie was Nope. Honorable mention to Maverick. Favorite shows was Andor and Tulsa King. I need to finish Tulsa King because I watched the first episode, and I really enjoyed it want to give a shout-out to my buddy Chuck Pierce. He was there in the, uh, the chat. Thank you, Chuck. Good to hear from you. Uh, also, we heard from our buddy William J., who plays Batman in the Oath Batman fan film directed by Johnny K. fellow friend of mine, fellow costumer as well. Uh, he says, Star Trek Strange New World debut was top everything for me. It was a return to form after the more depressing Picard and the meh that is constantly discovery. The Batman was a great film, honorable mention, the Orville New Horizons, and he said uh, dishonorable mention, but is uber monumental, as we discussed earlier, uh, Kyle, Batgirl movie being canceled. Our buddy, Scott Botman, of course, one of the co-hosts of the What a Piece of Junk Star Wars podcast here on the Fandom Podcast Network, he says, Henry Cavill officially announcing Warhammer 40K project.
1: The man uh, landed on his feet very quickly. <laughs> yes. We just, can, can, just need can, to can get I, him to do that Highlander movie, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, can, can I say something? I just want to say something really quick yeah. about that, how awesome he is do- that he's going to be doing that because Henry Cavill is one of the biggest Warhammer
0: 40K fans on the planet. People don't realize uh, Henry Cavill is a big old nerd. He loves playing mm-hmm. games. Uh, he's de- he does D&D. He plays video games. So I love that about him. And he, uh, Scott also says Star Wars and or rocks.
1: Uh, And Kevin, our good friend, Heather, it chimed in real quick. She loves Strange
0: New Worlds, too. Best Star Trek for sure. Oh, God, it was it just hit the feels. It also Star Trek, new Star Trek, as we're calling it, Mm -hmm. new Trek. It returned to that more episodic feel to it, you know, which was great, which we which we missed from, you know, our our Star Trek from the 90s to the the 60s as well. So, yeah, Uh, Lacey Aderholt said the menu, the movie, the menu was Delicious. I see what she did there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For those of you that have seen menu, you'll know what she's talking about. Johnny K just mentioned love the fact that he chimed in here. Director of the oath, Batman fan film says Andor the greatest thing to say star Wars since the original trilogy Maverick proof that Hollywood can get 40 to 55 year olds out of the theater, purely out of nostalgia and not obsess over marketing to younger generations. Ooh, good point. Excellent point, Johnny. He also said, and I need to see this, because I've been hearing nothing but good things about this, the offer about the making of The Godfather. Sensationalized, but lots of fun. And his biggest disappointments was Willow and that Halloween movie. (laughs) Uh, he also says to go on to say, because I said I need to see the offer, he says, it's a bit over the top at times, but really well put together. Period piece, great style, great music, and Dan Fogler or Fogler, as is great as Coppola. So that's interesting. I need to see that. My buddy Murph chimed in over there at Raider Fans Radio. Favorite moment by Longshot, and that is Eddie Munson jamming out to Metallica, Master of Puppets. Uh, our buddy, friend, And, of course, uh, attended my wedding. Jennifer Walk said, Wednesday was awesome. Best use of goo-goo muck ever. And seeing Jaws in the theater, that was super cool. Buddy Murph, of course, chimes back in saying, Show, Stranger Things. Movie, Jackass Forever. Sue me, I like what I like. (laughs) And best music release, Dirty Honey, another last time video. Dirty Honey, great band true to rock and roll. I got to see them live. Uh, Jennifer also said to Murph, Jackass forever was great. Dan Lee, my buddy, Dan Lee, fellow Raider fan and huge star Wars nerd as well. Stranger things for my Eddie, my dude, Eddie Mudson and top gun Maverick bringing back the old school summer blockbuster feel again was unreal. And, uh, Kimber Spore says, uh, H O T D. What is that Kyle?
1: Uh, I'm not real sure. H-O-T-D. Uh,
0: Black Panther 2. HOTD. and know we're missing it. What does HOTD mean? I don't know. Uh, by the way, Buddy Chuck says, Hollywood needs to come up with something original. Oh, House of the Dragon. Ah, Thank you. Kimber Spores, House of the Dragon. Yes, yeah, so we would like to see more original stories out there, Chuck. Good point. Excellent point. Uh, and I want to see, who else do we have here? Uh, Lacey says, Vengeance was pretty freaking awesome. And, uh, Heather says, enjoyed the heck out of Wednesday plus Johnny's list. And, uh, I'm just going to give a shout out again, the oath, fantastic fan film, Batman film, check it out on YouTube. Well done. Anyway, those are our friends on Facebook that have chimed in on their favorite style, favorite moments of fandom in 2022. What do we say? According to the magic eight ball. Well, according to, let's start with some honorable mentions because we
1: have a few of those. Um, I've, I've got, Kevin, there was one in the, but we both agreed on in our honorable mentions, and it was brought up in the list several times. Stranger Things season four. I, yes. in my opinion, the best season of Stranger Things since the first season. And I think a lot of people felt that way.
0: Yeah. For me, season four, uh, I was a huge fan of season three with the whole mall thing. Uh, yeah, that was very yeah. good as well. Uh, season 4 was fantastic And they kind of took a different approach you t- They took like a little break between the first half of the season And the next half And then we had those extended like 2 hour episodes Towards the end there uh, But yeah, it was absolutely amazing So many really cool moments too Of course, Eddie Munson being one of the highlights Of course And uh, the, uh, the old trek to uh, Russia To get uh, to, to rescue Hopper. <laughs> yes, to of Hopper, the
1: trek to Russia. So yes. um, one of the things I have on my list, too, and I think it was one of the biggest pieces of news through this year, is the return of Bob Iger. Or should we say the return this of the This is King's an honorable of, mention to yeah, you. Yeah, an honorable yeah. mention, yes. Um, the return of the King, Bob Iger is back as the CEO of the, uh, the Disney Corporation. This is a big deal, Kevin, and I think it's going to shape a lot of things over the next couple of years. Um, Bob J. pick was not well-liked. By pretty much everybody.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Iger, I'm on the fence with that, uh, of him, whether or not that's going to be a good thing or not. So um, I think that plays itself out. But
1: yeah, I guess let's
0: see where you feel on that. Well, what about you? What's one? Give me something off your honorable mention list. The Batman, uh, Robert Pattinson. Remember when he was announced? How many people were like, oh no, not the Twilight Kid. Oh no, he can't do anything else. And I made the comment, like, have you seen his other films? He can act his. Ass off. He's a good actor, and he did not disappoint. Not only did I like the look and the feel of this film, but man, we got actually a detective. And that was the best part about this movie was the clues and the detective, and and having the Riddler be the main villain of what he does well. I thought was fantastic. Absolutely enjoyed this film.
1: I, I agree honorable mention. Yeah, I, I can agree 100% Matt Reeves did a phenomenal job. I know it wasn't everybody's cup of tea for Batman, but I loved it with the noir feel, the, playing up Batman more as the detective, um, a more real gritty Batman. Yes. And I, I think yeah. even more so than the Christopher Nolan film. So yeah, I truly I really did enjoy that. But it's an honorable mention because I think these two gentlemen were icons in their own realms, and they both passed this year. Jason David Frank, who played Tommy Oliver, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, um, was the Green Ranger, then the White Ranger, and then played several other Rangers through various series with the Power Rangers. Kevin, he 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 was pretty much the identifiable face of the of the Power Rangers over the years. And um, he dro- he died um, just about a month and a half ago now under some tragic circumstances. He
0: took uh, his own life,
1: didn't he? Yes, he he did commit yeah. suicide. Yes, yeah. Um, Sad. So just. Yeah, but an icon who you know, power. There's a time when Power Rangers was the biggest thing in the world, yeah. as far as a fandom goes. So mention that, and of course, we've I've talked about him a couple of different times, but you know, for a lot of people, he is the ultimate Batman, and that is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman and Bruce Wayne for for the DC universe for a very, very long time.
0: William J, who uh, plays uh, Batman in the Oath fan film that Johnny C directs, uh, when we had him on uh interviewing for both the uh the oath special and of course uh the batman 89 he talked about how kevin conroy to him is batman in so many ways he is his batman
1: yeah and i think for a lot of people it is and let's let's we talked about it in our batman 89 couch potato theater too where batman 89 really established the batman animated universe that brought us kevin conroy and so, yeah, just an absolute legend. One of the great guys, if you've ever met him at conventions. I was fortunate enough to be at a convention in a line next to his table, and he got up and did the classic Batman speech on the table in front of everybody. And as they say, the crowd went wild.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, you have a couple more things on your honorable mention, Mr. Reisel. Uh, I just got one more because uh, I have some others on my list that are on your actual top eight list. So I'm going to hold off on those. But the other one I wanted to mention was She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Boy, did I have fun with this show, Kyle. We had a great time covering uh, She-Hulk on our True Believers Marvel MCU podcast. I was very impressed with Tatiana Mazzani as both She-Hulk and, of course, Jennifer Walters, the attorney at law. But I really thought it was an important moment uh, for fandom that how they broke the fourth wall in so many ways and really – Stepped outside of the box to do so, and I thought that was brave storytelling, and I think it worked. And I can't wait for more. I, I can sum up all my feelings for
1: She Hulk in one thing:
0: Tatiana,
1: <laughs> my love been for crushing Tatiana, Tatiana, on Tatiana. her for a long time. <laughs> yes, um, for good I reason. Yeah, I have so much fun with She yeah, Hulk, but it's Tatiana. I'm gonna watch anything with Tatiana. I've got one more quick honorable mention myself: Cobra Kai season five. The show is. Getting to its apex. We're going to have the end of it soon. But this one really kind of, the show is
0: still fun. And that's that's what I enjoy about it. It comes out, it's fun. My wife, Erin, made a good comment about this. And I thought it was a very good point that all of the seasons of Cobra Kai, there hasn't been like a crappy season. You know, like no. for me, season two of Stranger Things was. Uh, you know, usually when you look at back end of, a, of a thing or, or like season. Uh was it eight of or seven or whatever the last season of Game of Thrones? A lot of people didn't like the last season. All the seasons have been strong. <laughs> yeah, no, all the seasons have been strong. All the seasons
1: have been fun. It's brought some great young actors to us. And of course, uh William Zabka as Johnny Lawrence is just phenomenal in the in the series. He's and become
0: a cool. lot of people's spirit animal. <laughs> yeah, he really has. Eagle
1: Fang!
0: <laughs> yes i i just love I love Johnny's taste in music and style, <laughs> so with
1: that, let's get into our top eight things these the order we do these in aren't necessarily the order like this is number one so forth but we these are just things that felt that we felt were like our top eight things oh real quick a little
0: caveat my top uh three or four that I'm gonna save till the end they are in order for particular yeah, okay yeah.
1: Yeah, you have legitimate reasons for that. So (laughs) first thing I'm going to throw out is something we talked about a little bit earlier in Let's News, Kevin. James Gunn being named the head of DC Studios. I think this is an absolutely huge thing for fandom. It's already having effects, positive and negative. But I think it's also going to be one of the top stories to watch in 2023 as James Gunn begins to shape shape the DC movie universe into the image he has for it. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out because I think he's going to take a much different approach. And let's not forget, he did learn a lot from Kevin Feige with his time for Marvel. So I think he
0: knows how to build a universe proper. Excellent point. A lot of people are a little upset by these, uh, sudden changes and not having the stars return. Uh, it needs to be done folks. I'm sorry. Uh, I, have been as much as I, it it sucks that I'm not going to see some of these characters back as these iconic DC heroes or villains for that matter. Um, we need a fresh reboot and I'm looking forward to it. And I hope gun can do this and do it well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think, I think he will, but what have you got on your list, Kevin? Um, okay. Well, do I just mention one that's on your list, I guess go from there. Yeah, if you want to, please feel free. Uh, let's talk about peacemaker, dude. Peacemaker. Come on. I, How fun I really want to taste show? it. I really want to taste it, Kevin, <laughs> which I'm funny. You bring up the, the, the that song, By Wigwam, uh, which is the first time I can remember in a long time looking forward to the intro song of a TV series and always watching it and making sure that I watch it all the way through it. And uh, I just found out that that band is playing live in concert this coming year in our friend Adam O'Brien's neck of the wood in Gold Coast. And I would love to see them. Now, they are a Swedish band, I believe, somewhere in Sweden. But anyway, Peacemaker, so much fun, Kyle. Took some chances too, and it paid off.
1: Uh, it, it absolutely paid off. And one of my favorite things out of this is that people have finally gotten to see the comedy that John Cena is capable of. Yeah. I have been on the John Cena in a movie tri- train. For a while now, I love that movie Blockers. He did He did a great one on Hulu, Vacation Friends and Peacemaker. He this
0: was everything John Cena was meant to be. And there was very good character development through his character through these episodes. He just didn't play the same, you know, one or two dimensional uh, type of character. His character went through a really good development. And I give uh, John uh, James Gunn and the creative people there. And the cast was fantastic.
1: Uh, I just I got to give credit to John Cena too for what he did for, to market this show. He was showing up everywhere in the Peacemaker outfit, yep. <laughs> and it was yes, wonderful. Was. And I got and James Gunn even has said that John Cena is one of the top three actors he's ever worked with.
0: That's fun. That's and awesome. He will always work
1: with John Cena. So mm-hmm. that that is awesome. I'm gonna hit something that's on both of our lists too, Kevin. Um, we talked about we've talked about it a couple of times and mentioned um, Top Gun Maverick.
0: Yes. Um yep.
1: this to me, honestly, was the movie that got me back into fully back into theaters this in twenty twenty two. This movie was delayed and delayed and delayed. We were supposed to get it way back in twenty twenty. COVID caused delays. Tom Cruise was insistent it comes out in theaters. And this movie hit every nostalgia button, but still made an amazing movie onto itself. It it shocked me how good it was. I was not expecting it to be. And I can understand the people argument have that it might be better than the original top gun.
0: Yeah, it hit all the feels. It, uh, was definitely a movie worth seeing in the theater. And, uh, I was tempted to go back and watch it again. Uh, but I waited for video. I kind of wanted to savor wanting to see it again on video. And as soon as it came out, I, I got on video and watched it and my dad saw it too. He loved it. And I really, really, uh, uh, Thought they did a fantastic job with the new uh, cast, but you know, paying awesome tribute to the original film and uh, the characters that were either seen or made an appearance in the new film as well. Um, the, the scene with Iceman Val Kilmer was fantastic. I I, I still tear up every time I freaking watch that. And Goose's son, uh, played by Miles Teller, and this was fantastic.
1: Yeah, um Glenn, just a shout, shout out great shout out to um Glenn Powell as well in this film he he was outstanding. Um it, 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 just, it just was a pure nostalgia trip but it worked and it worked incredibly well. Heather is on agreement with us about Maverick. Um we know Heather has great taste. So, of course. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Kevin, what else do you have on your list?
0: Uh, let's see what we got here. Um okay, so I'm going to save my top four towards the end here, but uh, I think it's time that we, uh, I, I want to mention that uh, Avatar 2 makes it in my top eight. Uh, it it really made the theater going experience worth it. The 45 minute drive worth it. The extra money on the, on the popcorn bucket, all of it. Uh, I'm going to see it again tomorrow. Uh, this, if you hated the first film, fine. Don't go see this film if you like the first film, go see it, but please make sure you see it in a big screen format in 3d. This movie is meant to be seen that way. I prefer IMAX because the sound was phenomenal in this. The music was great. Uh, and I, I just, this made it, this just squeaked in to my top eight because the impact it had, I can't wait to see it again tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Um, I agree with you on everything we said. We talked about it in bio stream
0: and see it. Um, Hold on. Uh, Adam makes a comment here, says, weigh the water, excessive runtime. Was there an editor? Uh, I disagree with you, Adam. Kyle and I spoke on this earlier. We felt that it was paced well. Uh, There is a, you know, if you need to go to the bathroom, just take time, go go to the bathroom. But uh, I was, I didn't fall asleep at all. I was waiting to see what would happen next. And I thoroughly thought that the three hour runtime was fine. I paced myself for it. I was ready for it, but I loved it.
1: Uh, and follows up saying it is a great flick. And just he felt it needed a shorter one time. I, I can understand that for some people, three hours and 10 minutes is a long. Yeah, investment
0: it, 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 that is a warning. It does come with a warning. If uh, just prepare yourself for it.
1: <laughs> Next on my list that I want to talk about, Kevin is Reacher. I yes. absolutely loved this new Reacher show on Amazon. Uh, uh, Reacher played by Alan Richmond, um, who is, in my opinion, is the perfect casting for Jack Reacher. And he just oh, yeah. nailed this this. And if you're not familiar with his work, he did was in the TV show, blue mountain state. He was also played Hawk for a couple of seasons on the new Titan show as well. Um, we got a little bit more emotionally invested in the series too, Kevin. We I had you listen to a podcast he went on inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum, where he revealed some pretty personal, powerful, personal things about himself that um, really make you appreciate the fact that we got him in this role.
0: Yeah. Uh, the Reacher for me was in my honorable mentions and I, I've, I ended up watching that show twice I, I went back and, and re-watched it. I can't wait for the sequel or, or the next season and they've started filming it already I believe and uh, they got the perfect actor for this and I loved how gritty that it was and uh, but the best part about it was that and this is and I did get this in the Tom Cruise film is, it's a whodunit. It's a, it's a pick up the clues and find out this conspiracy or this murder or whatever. And you're, you're kind of along for the ride because you're watching the clues as they're being dropped and who's good, who's bad. And I'm looking forward to seeing some of the returning characters come back.
1: I, I agree with you. Um, I know it's green, greenlit for season two, season three. I think season two is in post-production now. So yeah, I, yeah. I I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, I got to address something here. Adam O'Brien dropped. Where's the Scott Atkins love. Um, He's talking about the Accident Man series. Uh,
0: I saw the trailer finally for the first one the
1: other day, and it's something i got to check out. It looks like it's kind I of I have seen film.
0: Accident Man. It, it was good. Uh, I, I did enjoy it, and I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Scott Atkins, and I like to say uh, that uh, I was the one that discovered him.
1: <laughs> Scott Atkins has a cameo <laughs> in the um, Netflix film Day Shift with D- Jamie Fox. that is absolutely hilarious. So yeah. definitely – Check that uh, out. Um, but
0: *Avengement* I think is his best film. I know Adam loves that film. Check out *Avengement*, especially if you're a fan of British gangster films. It's fantastic. Kevin, do we want do we want to bring up the thing that we still both have on our list? That's yes. Playing? Let's do it. Okay, *Andor*,
1: *Star Wars*, *Andor*.
0: Oh my god! Um, yeah, the
1: show that, in my opinion, Kevin has changed the the, the playing field for Star Wars. And nothing but a good way. It has shown that Star Wars can be made for adults as well as for a younger, younger kid. George Lucas has always said he always wrote Star Wars for 12 year olds. But Andor was not, Andor was written for an adult audience with an incredibly powerful script. Some people complain about the slow burn nature of Andor, but it works so well. It is. It was such an emotional and a, just a totally different Star Wars experience that just, I think blew a lot of people's minds and really people didn't know what to think at first. And then just once they got into it and got in the flow of it, they loved it. Kevin
0: best written star Wars of the new era, uh, probably the best written since the original trilogy. I'm going to agree with, um, uh, Johnny K on that watching Andor and being involved with the character development and the plot development To me, it was like when I watched Pulp Fiction for the first time and I finally discovered the fine art of script writing and character development and being blown away by what I was seeing and what I was hearing. I was more invested in the discussions Uh, The back and forth between the characters and the character development, then, you know, the build up action scenes we eventually got because and it was done like these little three episode arcs, which I thoroughly loved. I love that we had that. Uh, I I just I for those of you that have not seen Andor, because maybe you thought that, oh, why would I want to see a movie or a TV series about Andor, you know? He was entertaining to watch in, in Rogue One, but I don't need to know more about him. You're missing out. It's not just about him. It's about these other wonderful characters that are introduced into this series and the world building that is happening during the rise of the or the rise of the rebellion during the Empire stranglehold that it has on the galaxy. And there's so much Star Wars world building in this it is amazing and it is some of the best drama I've seen on television in recent memory. And uh, if you're a star Wars fan and have not watched it, I don't know what's wrong with you. Go watch it. It is absolutely amazing. And
1: remember too, when you watch this show, there is already a second season coming. That's yep. going to pick up it. will be out probably in 2024 from the sound of it. Um, it's just, it's, it's being, it's so different than anything from that you're used to in star Wars. And I think it, It is something Star Wars desperately needed was a shakeup in the foundation. And
0: this gives that Star Wars, that foundational shakeup. Andor is the name on the show. Andor is a main character on the show, but it's not about Andor specifically. It's about all of this other stuff that's going on that has made Star Wars even more enthralling to me as a fan who have been invested pretty much all my life with Star Wars since it first came out. And I, I want to see Tony Gilroy do more Star Wars after this, because he knows how to write. And that's been the problem with Star Wars, especially with the, the uh, you know, other aspects of storytelling that has been out since the Disney acquisition.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree with you completely. The next thing I want to talk about, Kevin, a movie that I think surprised a lot of people, and that is Predator Prey. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I was all in with the concept of this movie. A lot of people like it's going straight to Hulu. It can't be that good. What's going on here? I love the concept of going back in time on earth with a predator. This movie is beautiful. It is incredibly well acted. Mm. Uh, Miss mid thunder is phenomenal in this role. It's a look at a predator that we have not had before a little bit. It's still a high tech predator, but it's a lower tech predator too, because he, their technology isn't as advanced and it's yeah. a, they captured the time period incredibly well, and mm. I think it's opened up a whole new genre for Predator films going forward. And I yeah. cannot wait, and I really hope they take advantage of this, but this movie, for being on Hulu and for what it, again, probably a product of COVID, but I think in this case it really helped this film to come out on a streaming service. It was phenomenal and one of the, one of the most surprising and one of the most entertaining films of the year
0: if I had the option to go pay to see it right now in the theater, I would go see that. Uh, oh, yeah. because I would love yeah. to have seen the way this cinematography and, and, and the location and the, the young woman, um, that is the star of this film. I would love to have seen that on the big screen. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was just a great, uh, incarnation of the predator series done in a fantastic way. Loved it. Absolutely loved it.
1: Yes. Uh, 100% Kevin, we're going to start getting into the point of your list. These, some of this stuff is pretty personal. So I want you to pick something from the remainder of your list and share
0: share it with us. The Orville New Horizons. Uh, the season three of Orville that we finally got. Season four is still up in the air. We don't know. Uh, it's moved to Disney Plus now here in the States. Went from Hulu to Disney Plus. Still on Hulu, I think. But uh now on Disney Plus in the States. I know it was in Disney Plus uh, overseas. I want to thank William J. for reminding me about that when I was trying to put my list together. Absolutely love the Oroville. We covered it here on the Fandom Podcast Network on um, Union Federation podcast. This season did not disappoint. It exceeded expectations. It also... Whew, <laughs> it tackled uh, subjects that um, Star Trek danced around. And it decided to hit you right in the face with some of these things. And some of them were very timely. Uh, wow. And was beautifully shot, beautifully acted, uh, and just absolutely well done. A lot of character development and callbacks to previous seasons of threads that were left kind of dangling out there. They went in and tied some of this stuff up, but yet still left some stuff out there to, to uh, explore. If they have another season, fingers crossed, please stream it Keep streaming it on um, Disney plus get those numbers up. And if not, maybe a movie we'll see. Absolutely. Love the Orville. I know you did as well, Kyle.
1: Yeah. This season switching over to being on Hulu and then eventually moving to Disney plus, we knew we were going to get a little bit of different from it from its two first two seasons on Mm -hmm. Fox, but the change was astronomical. How they handled topics, the emotion of this season, um, I think Seth MacFarlane wrote this season, not being sure if he was going to have season four or not. We still don't know at this point. I saw a tweet today by Seth MacFarlane saying he still hasn't heard anything. He knows, no, it's an expensive show, in a very weird financial time right now. But he still has hopes that, and he says, "If they give us the green light, we're all in and ready to go." This season, just I, it takes a lot for me to to cry on a TV show, and there was definitely some tears in a couple of episodes this this season on the Orville. And it just it carried a weight to it that it that shows that was just at another level and I mean yep. outside of strange new Worlds, it was the best live-action science fiction I watched this year without uh and, without
0: and by action. the way for those of you that think the Orville is just a, a parody of Star Trek it is not
1: yeah especially this third season I yeah. mean if, it, it's 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 its own show it stands on its own merits and you need if you have not watched it please go watch the Orville Especially yeah. the third season, this new Horizons. Um, I'm going to keep it on TV shows, Kevin, because there was two shows that I binge watched this year. Reacher was one of them. The other one we, is Wednesday. And I talked a bit of bit earlier when we did buy a streamer. on Wednesday had that Buffy vibe for me. And it's been a long time since I've had something give me the Buffy vibe to me. Where it was fun. The characters even we had some Buffy feel to them for me as well. Wednesday just pulled me in in a way a show hasn't done in a good while. Um, Jenna, again, Jenna Ortega is phenomenal as Wednesday Adams. I mean, it was one of the best performances of the year. And I, I, this, this show was amazing. And I, I, I tell anybody, check it out. It, it, even if it's not necessarily you feel like it would be your thing, check it out. Give it a chance because I think you're going to love it. Because with the, even with the themes of it, I think there's something there for everybody.
0: Heather says uh, it reminded her of Sabrina on Netflix. It's funny you say that, Heather. So did my wife. My wife said the same thing because she likes that Sabrina got dark. And Wednesday got dark, too, uh, in, in a kind of a little bit different tone. But still, it wasn't like this little cute show. But, yeah, uh, my wife said the same thing. Heather, well, well, well done. Yeah.
1: I, I want to just add real quick, Kevin.
0: Season two, I need more Uncle Fester. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was just a big fan that the thing the hand had such oh, yeah, a thing. large role in this in this series and I thought that was fantastic so yeah <laughs> okay what what is up next for you on your list Kevin so um we we obviously are touched when it comes to our top eight things of fandom um in 2022 we also include events and I had an event uh, this year that uh, happened very close to another event that I'm going to mention here, but that is star Wars celebration uh, in Anaheim in tier 2022, because that was postponed from 2020 because of COVID. And we finally got to have it happen. And uh, I had, I, this was the first time I went into a star Wars celebration without a heavy schedule of panels and, a bunch of things on a list that I had to do, or, or, you know, places to go. I just had a few things that were definitely on there, and um, meeting up with my fellow friends of of Star Wars, my extended family that always shows up for this like a family reunion. But there was a few events that happened there, like the will Hood Run uh, that I participated in uh, was fantastic. Uh, my fellow Five Hundred First and Rebel Legion family there as well. Uh, but the most fun night that I had there was the special uh, Star Wars night that uh, they had there at um, Disneyland or I should say uh, the um, Galaxy's Edge there. And my fellow 501st Imperial Officers Corps, uh, led by my buddy Robert, uh, all dressed up as an, a different variety of Imperial officers and we invaded Batuu. And uh, we got this huge group picture in front of uh, the uh, the Millennium Falcon there. We went on the Rise of the Resistance ride. The people that were running that ride were taken aback by all these Imperial officers that went on that ride. We did the Falcon ride. That was the highlight of my Star Wars celebration, and uh, I just absolutely, absolutely enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I can imagine it was quite the shock seeing – why are all these imperial troopers being put into the brig at uh, Rise of the <laughs> Resistance? Yes, and I mean probably more shocking when the resistance went to free you and went like, "What? The, can, we, can we just stop the ride? Leave them here?" <laughs> yeah, that was a lot
0: of fun. So, Star Wars celebration definitely.
1: Okay, well, last thing on my list um, is something that I was, I think, is very important for a couple of reasons. And Kevin, it's the return of fantasy TV. We'd gone a little while without it, probably Game of Thrones being the last thing. we have gone a few years, but not only was it fantasy, it was a major fantasy because we, we turned Game of Thrones with House of Dragon, brings a power on Amazon, and of course, Willow returning on Disney+. Three of the bigger fran- fantasy tri- franchises that we grew up with. Obviously, each one a little different in its own right, too, appealing to different audiences, but... I think it, I think getting the fantasy genre back is something we've needed for, for a little bit. We, it's, it's been, a while. we've got a lot of science fiction. We've got a lot of space things going on, but we haven't had anything big, real big in the fantasy genre since game of the original game of Thrones.
0: Yeah. I dived into uh, house dragon. I, 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 was invested right away with that, uh, full disclosure though. And I haven't done it yet, but I am going to, I have not watched rings of power yet. Uh, but that is, uh, and I'm a, big fan of the Lord of the Ring uh, uh, trilogy that came out in the early 2000s. And so I'm definitely going to watch this because I want to see it, but I haven't also watched Willow yet either. I do plan on doing that. Uh, But yes, the genre is important. It's a genre that I love and I'm glad that it's back.
1: Yeah. uh, Now i watched all of House of Dragon full disclosure. I need to finish up Rings of Power. Um, I've watched a few episodes of Willow. I think they're all different within themselves here. And I think it's, that's a good thing because it's something to appeal to everybody from different aspects of that genre. And I think that's really important. But just getting that fantasy TV yeah. quality shows back, I think it's really good. And they're getting budgets to work with as well. And I, I think that's great to see. But Kevin, your last two items on your list, I'm just going to sit back, let you go, because they're both tie into something pretty personal.
0: Yeah, I uh, my second on my list is um, uh, is my trip back to Australia, which was delayed for COVID reasons. And uh, I was supposed to be there in 2020 to uh, get married to my lovely bride, uh, Aaron. And we were going to get married there. We made plans in 2019. And, of course, the COVID uh, changed that. And Aaron got stuck over there. I got stuck over here. We didn't see each other for close to two and a half years. Uh, and then we finally got married. But going back to Australia was an event for me because it was nice to finally connect again with Aaron's mom and her brother and her family, seeing Aaron's friends and just being part of Aaron's uh, life there in Australia. I went to all of her cycle classes. She's a fitness instructor and just spending a lot of time with her. But we weren't just hanging around the house, we were busy. We saw four concerts there. Not to mention Guns N' Roses. Got to see a Slash back with Axel and Duff. And uh, we we saw them and we got really cheap uh, tickets and really enjoyed that show. And I got to see one of my favorite bands uh, from the, the late 80s, early 90s called D.A.D. They're a... Uh, Um, a Danish rock band I've been wanting to see all my life. And I saw them live in an intimate situation. And we saw the Heinle Street Social Club, which is a fantastic Australian band that does really high end uh, production covers of all of our favorite songs from the seventies and eighties. Highly recommend if you're in Australia, check them out. They're going to be jumping the pond hopefully soon. Uh, And we saw, I saw um, my first ever production of Phantom of the Opera. Never seen a movie, never seen a play. Saw the play there in uh, in uh, Melbourne, Australia. It was great. Saw Friends, the musical parody, live in person. It was great. Uh, but also one of my highlights was um, Blu-ray DVD hunting in Melbourne, Australia. Found some great places to get some physical media. Of course, as I mentioned, JB High Five is like, When Best Buy was good back in the uh, early 2000s, but on Cocaine Bear Cocaine, (laughs) a great store for uh, uh, vinyl and CDs and and toys and, of course, uh, electronics, just a wonderful store and uh, found some other used DVD places. And I just love downtown Melbourne, really enjoyed my trip to Australia. And that was an event for me and just being able to be back with Erin in her home as well. So that that is number two for me, Kyle.
1: Yeah, I mean your your trip through customs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had no problem with that. They're used to a bunch of DVDs and Blu-rays coming through customs. Okay, so I'm gonna before you move on to number one, I just want to say something.
1: This what's number one on Kevin's list? Most of you will probably figure out already if you paid any attention to the fandom podcast network for the last few years. This is number one for every member of the fandom podcast network because we love kevin we love his wife and he is my brother and i uh, i love them both so very much and for this for what the number one event is is something we've been wanting for kevin for so long and we've you know he, he 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 knows how much we love him and how much we've supported him and tried to be and there for them. So some serious trials and tribulations, not of his own doing. <laughs> and we finally got the apex. My only regret is I couldn't be there in person for this event, but I was thankfully Kevin and Aaron were generous enough to be able to share their event out with some of us. And Kevin, I'm just going to let you take it
0: over. Yeah. My number one, uh, fandom slash event, uh, for 2022 is Getting married to my lovely bride Erin Gill, and uh, yes, that is part of my fandom because we share fandoms that have brought us together. Uh, Highlander uh, brought us together. We we met in London because we both had just gone to Scotland together. Uh, not together, but we both had gone to Scotland. Scotland within like weeks of each other, and we met in London. And Highlander brought us together. Our first di- our first date was uh, going to see the uh, 30th anniversary of aliens um, on the big screen there at the Prince Charles theater in London. And so we have aliens in common. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is uh, one our favorite movie, you know, and uh, so we share that together and we were supposed to get married in 2020 in Australia. um, And uh, unfortunately that couldn't happen, but she finally made it over here to, uh, the states back in April, and which is the reason why you couldn't go, Kyle, because you're heavy in tax season during that time. But the reason why we chose April is because, well, we're big fans of aliens. Uh, aaron has got a big tattoo of the alien queen on her back, and we wanted to get married. We wanted to get a little geeky about it. We got married on Alien Day, uh, four twenty six LV four twenty six from the original Alien and uh, Aliens is referenced. where they find of course the the alien uh, uh colony but this time it stood for las vegas april 26 2020 and we even got matching wedding rings right there there's a little alien wedding rings we got those as well and so uh finally getting married after having not seen aaron for about two and a half years uh we got married and now we are a married couple And, uh, it is the most wonderful thing that, that happened to me all year. And it was nice to share that with everyone that couldn't be there. It's actually on YouTube. If you go to my Facebook page, it's pinned at the top of there. If you want to see the link, uh, or just do a, uh, a search for, uh, uh, you know, I guess LV four twenty six wedding, Aaron and Kevin, you can see it up there. It's about, I don't know what, 14 minutes, something like that. And, uh, thank you very much, Heather. Appreciate you. Uh, oops, sorry. I made that go away there. Kyle. Um, but a lot of our friends got to watch it live as well. And it was fun because there was people around the world that couldn't make it. And uh, it was a lot of fun. We did it in Vegas. We had a little kind of graveyard theme and uh, we waited a long time. I asked Aaron to marry me in 2017 in front of Bruce Campbell at a convention because we're both fans of uh, Evil Dead. And um, yeah, finally got to marry uh, Aaron. Aaron. Lovely, lovely, gorgeous wife, Erin. So, yeah. Um, thank you so much, Kyle. Because we had Erin on the show, too, a lot uh, for different uh, podcasts. And she's not only just my wife and was my fiance, uh, but she's also part of the network. And she's contributed oh, they, quite a bit to that. So, yeah. You two are the first couple on the of, of Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 just real quick, I want to give a, a shout out to Grant Kepster, who is the uh, proprietor of um, of Highlander Heart, the original big uh, Highlander Facebook group and our Bloody Kings Facebook group. Um, you know, we've had him on as well. And uh, we met on that Facebook group. And uh, he gave us a big shout out, too, of uh, the first married couple of uh, meeting on Highlander Heart. So, yeah.
1: Well, I- I'm just going to say this for anybody out there who wants a definition of what true love is, Kevin and Aaron did not see each other for two and a half years. um Kevin was, it was what two weeks before you were to fly out to Australia when COVID lockdowns hit.
0: Yeah. It, it was about two weeks, maybe three at the most. We were getting ready. We were wondering if we were able to do it or not. And uh, unfortunately uh, my flight was canceled and uh border shut down in Australia. Yeah.
1: Um, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks have no touching as far as long distance relationships compared to these two guys. And, <laughs> You know what I what Kevin doesn't know is that I am desperately trying to sell their movie m- sorry movie rights as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: yeah, we we've, we've been able to make this thing work and uh there's been a lot of uh video conferencing of course uh that helps quite a bit. Uh but we're able to make it work and uh we still are able to keep things busy on our end here and then uh you know hoping to head out there maybe next April so we'll see. Yeah.
1: Uh, it is definitely the number one highlight of the fandom podcast network. And, you know, we love you guys and just so happy. It's finally. Thanks man. Happened and for I just want to, I
0: want to thank all of our friends, uh, on social media, uh, that were able to watch it and, and support us and, uh, you know, contribute to our wedding fund, which is great. Um, we're still planning our, uh, our, um, uh, heading moon we're, we're depending on a c- high cost of gas and everything we're we we do not know if we're going to put it into the road trip or if we're going to just put it into another trip that we're going to do together uh but we want to thank everyone that contributed to that and uh also want to thank uh, those those select few that did show up at the wedding, uh, Jennifer being one of them, of course, uh, Joseph as well, and uh, our friends Janet and Todd and uh, several others that you guys that showed up. Matt, everyone, thank you so much uh, for showing up. We really do appreciate it. My best friend, Kat, as well, showed up. So thank you, guys. Uh, it meant the world to us.
1: Yeah. Um, well, you mean the world to everybody around you. You guys, You guys are much beloved and... It's it's just it's I'm so I'm still to this day just excited that it's finally happened. So
0: but with that, guys, we're going to wrap up this. Yeah, Uh, this has been an amazing year when you think about it, even though we had lack of movies, there was so much freaking television to watch, kept us entertained and enthralled. And there was a lot of stuff that did happen that is worth celebrating. So, yeah, yeah. Still
1: playing catch up on some of these TV shows. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Rings of power,
0: Kevin. Rings
1: of power. Come on. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. But with that, we're going to start wrapping things up on this edition of Culture Clash. First of all, thank you to all of you who have joined in the chat today and been watching us, whether it's been on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you've been watching us. Thanks for joining us for a little holiday fun. Um, If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to give us a subscribe, give us a like, give us a share. We're just trying to get ourselves out there and or, and we appreciate your support. Of course, this will go out in an audio podcast um, sometime over the next, before the end of the year, let me put it that way. Um, you can find that on our master feed at fbnet.podbean.com. You can also find us on pretty much any of the major podcast catchers out there, including app, Apple Podcasts, um, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all of them out there. You can visit our Facebook page, Fandom Podcast Network. you, can, you want to contact us directly, you can email us at network at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram fandom podcast network or on Twitter at Fan- odd network. Of course I'm Kyle. You can find me on Twitter at a Kyle W or on Instagram at a Kyle fandom. Kevin, where can people find you on social media?
0: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Spartan underscore Phoenix. Of course you can find us all in our, uh, um, you know, f- fandom podcast network related groups, you know, like the, the hair metal podcast, uh, Facebook group and of course Blood of Kings and True Believers and what a piece of junk and Union Federation always in there join that. What's that? Um, the network. It's so big. It's yeah, so big. it's so network. And then of course you can find me on Facebook. So and I actually did join TikTok. I'm on TikTok. I only got like three videos on there. I'm more more of a lurker, but I am on there as well. So
1: <laughs> um, before we close out, to, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention and wish happy holidays. To everybody associated with the Phantom Podcast Network this past year, whether it's our What a beat it's the Junk guys, Scott, Derek, and Nathan, um, Adam O'Brien, the Lethal Mullet himself, um, Lee Fillingsness, your co-host on Blood of Kings, um, Lacey Adderhold, the Queen of Movie yes. Fo, Amy Nelson and Halen Stoddard for their great work with us on Union Federation. And also a Merry Christmas and shout out to all of our friends at our at the BQN network as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Kevin, we're going into year six.
0: Wow, that's right. Six, we're going into year six of the Fandom Podcast Network. Wow. I feel (laughs) old.
1: (laughs) Um, We will have a couple more shows coming out before the year is out. Um, We will have a new episode of Union Federation. We will have a Cash Potato Theater covering Star Trek 2009 that we were joined by some of our friends from the BQN network for. And Kevin, I think you've got one more Time Warp to slip out here before the year is out.
0: Yeah, we got our last episode of Time Warp 1982 celebrating the uh, 40th anniversary of all the movies, of course, uh, and events that happened in 1982. So we got one more of those coming out.
1: So, um, but to all of our listeners out there, especially this weekend, because I know the weather is supposed to get really, really intense starting actually today for a lot of you. Be safe in your holiday travels. Um, you know, hopefully, we'll give you some stuff to listen to while you're while you're making your way. But stay safe because I know it's supposed to get pretty gnarly out there. Um, and all uh, to all of you, thank you so much for your support. And from all of us at the Phantom Podcast Network, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and have a wonderful holiday.
0: Merry season. Christmas, everybody, Happy New Years, Happy Holidays. Uh, Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: And until next time, as we like to say here at Culture Clash, respect others and enjoy your fandom. Merry Christmas, everybody. We're having technical problems. Santa (laughs) strikes.